Praise the Lord and welcome to St. Paul Baptist Church, where we are convincing the unconvinced to be convinced and make disciples as we connect, lift, and inspire you. I'm Reverend Kelly Baptist, and we are so excited to have you connect with us in our Power Pack TNT study experience. You can engage with our Digi Ministers via the chat space in each of our online worship platforms. Let's study and grow together as Dr. Robert Scott, our pastor, takes us deeper into the Word. And be sure to stay tuned after study for more information on what's happening with St. Paul. Two, testing one, two, is that better? All right, all right, all right. Just having a little difficulty uh, as far as technology is concerned, but we thank God for you. I'm going to ask if we could, uh, Scott, you know how to get that sound. Just about right. Amen. I, I want to, um, first of all, thank each and every one of you for uh, joining in as far as our Bible study is concerned. Um, and uh, today, um, it's been a little difficult for me before I get started. Uh, I just want to say that uh, my heart is, is very, very heavy. Uh, we realize that at this particular time that there are a lot of people who are being impacted by COVID-19, the coronavirus, this pandemic. And I want to say that the church universal in general and the African-American church in particular has lost a stalwart, a general, a mighty oak has fallen. Uh, I got word last night that uh, the Reverend Dr. Harry Blake, the pastor emeritus of the Canaan Baptist Church in um, Mount Canaan Baptist Church in Shreveport, uh, North uh, Louisiana rather, uh, has uh, died um, as a result of COVID-19. Um, and his family definitely needs our prayers and supplications, his uh, church where he served for over 50 plus years uh, definitely need our prayers and all those who knew him and loved him. Um, Dr. Blake here at St. Paul has preached every one of my pastoral appreciations since I've been here and I have come to know him as a mentor, um, as a, another father figure and a friend beloved and he would definitely be missed uh, but not forgotten. And so uh, we know many other people who are being impacted as far as this horrible pandemic is concerned, and they definitely need our prayers. And so I'm going to ask if we could, let's uh, prepare to study the Word of God as we uh, go to the Lord in prayer at this particular moment, and then we will unpack what the Scriptures have for us. God, we come to you right now, and before we ask you for anything, we just, we want to say thank you. Even in a pandemic situation, even in moments of uncertainty, um, even in this moment of darkness, we still give you praise. Today is Thursday, and it's as far as the week of passion, it is what we call Monday Thursday. Uh, this is the moment that Jesus 
makes a fast track toward Calvary. It was on this day that he instituted what we now call the Lord's Supper. It was this day that he was betrayed by Judas and denied by Peter and forsaken by the other nine. It was this day, O oh God, that he began to drink the cup of suffering and sorrow and shame. So God, help us to be ever mindful of that. And because of what he did, it is a demonstration of your love toward us. And so Lord, right now we pray that you, the master teacher, will infuse yourself in this moment. Teach us your precepts. Let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Show yourself mighty and strong, O oh God, and we'll bless your name for that. It is in the name of your son, Jesus, to Christ, we pray, and in his name we claim it done. Let every heart that truly believe say amen. <clears throat> so today I want to call your attention as we continue to work our way through the book of, or the letter of Ephesians, um, the letter to the church at Ephesus. We want to look at Ephesians chapter 3. And we want to focus on verses 14 through 21. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21. And um, what I want to do is I want to read it out loud. I want to uh, have you to mark up your Bible uh, as far as um, your own personal Bible is concerned. I've done some highlights as far as my markup is concerned and I want you to join me as far as your own personal marks are concerned and so starting at verse 14 we see these words printed and I'll be reading from what is the New King James Version of God's Word for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he will grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And here's the blessing that many people love to pull from this particular rendering. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. 
I want you to, if you would, let's go back and let's start marking up the passage so that we can do some great work as far as the time that is ours. Verse 14, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to, if you would, circle the word reason. Circle the word reason. Okay. Let's go to verse 15. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. I want you to underline the phrase, the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Okay. If you have that, let's look at verse 16. That he will grant you according to the riches of his glory. I want you to underline according to the riches of his glory. To be strengthened with might through his spirit. I want you to bracket or put a parenthesis around through his spirit. And then I want you to circle the inner man. If you have that, then let's continue to move forward. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I want you to highlight that whole sentence. <clears throat> that Christ may dwell with you in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Highlight that whole sentence. may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. I want you to underline that phrase, what is the width and length and depth and height. Verse 19, to know the love of Christ. Highlight the phrase, the love of Christ. Circle the word knowledge. Highlight the phrase, filled with all the fullness of God. All right. Now, if you have that, 
Then what I want you to do is I want you to look at verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly. Underline exceedingly abundantly. Above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. I want you to underline the phrase according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church. I want you to highlight the phrase to him be glory in the church and circle the word church. By Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So let's begin to have conversation as far as what we've uh, underlined and what we detect as far as this moment of sharing is concerned. Because as we prepare to have conversation, as we prepare to unpack this pericope or these particular verses, what this is really about is what happens to you and I when we are saved. What happens to us when we are converted? Uh, what happens to us when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior? This is a remarkable passage that unfortunately has been misappropriated by a lot of folks in the church because what we tend to think is that this passage is applicable to us attaining material possessions and material things. But this is way beyond that. Part of the reason that we feel that way is because we look at verse 20 and we talk about how now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly that we all, above all that we ask or think. And the first place that our mind goes to is the material, the worldly, the fleshly. But beloved, this is what God is doing in us, with us, through us, for us, and in spite of us when it comes to our salvation. So let's, let's start having some conversation as far as this moment is concerned. So in verse 14, verses 14 to verse 21 is really a prayer. It is a long prayer. It is Paul praying as far as the, the disciples at Ephesus is concerned. Paul is praying that the work of Christ in the life of the believer, it requires prayer. Let me say that again. It requires prayer. You cannot do the work of Jesus Christ and not have it infused with prayer. Paul is letting these new converts at Ephesus know, hey, I'm lifting you all up in prayer. Okay? I, I'm praying for you all because I love you and I'm praying for you all because I want you all to come to the fullness of what God wants to do in your life. And, and so notice how, how Paul starts it out. For this reason, for this reason, I bow my knee to the Father. The Father is God of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what Paul is dealing with is, is, is a couple of things. Number one, Paul is dealing with the fact that the Gentiles at Ephesus have been redeemed. He's going back now 
to Ephesians chapter 1. He's getting ready to pull all of this together. And he is referring to the awesome aspect of salvation that God has given us through Jesus Christ. He is talking about the birth of the Lord's church. For this reason, I bow my knees uh, to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul does not, in any shape, form, or fashion, detach God the Father from Jesus Christ. Okay? And, and he is talking about, I'm bowing my knees. And, and this is not metaphorical. This is literal. He is getting on his knees in a prison cell, praying to God about this wonderful aspect of salvation. It's absolutely incredible. Um, and, and, and notice he says, God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and notice that he is placing emphasis on God as being the father of Jesus. But also, watch this, in verse 15, he becomes our father. He is praying to the one who has made salvation possible. He is praying to the God who made access to God possible. He is praying to the living, true, sovereign, cosmic God who is the father of all who believe in Jesus Christ and all who have ever believed and trust the promises of God in the past and in the present. This, this, is, this is absolutely incredible because it's real easy for us to understand how the ones who are present and alive and how the ones in the future are saved. But what about those who were in the past, who died before Jesus Christ even came? Don't you know that the blood of Jesus is able to reach back to those who were looking forward to the promise? That's the efficacy of the blood of Jesus Christ. But notice something else. He is also praying to God, watch this, through the Son, for them because he knew that the family of God, the church, had potential to do a lot for the sake of the kingdom. In other words, Paul is engaging in prayer because he wants them to understand that they're going to be responsible, hear me well, to lead others into the kingdom into the family of God through Jesus Christ. See, when you become a new convert, you don't even realize your potential, your power, your purpose, your passion when you become a new convert. When, when you become a new convert, when you become born again, you haven't even begun to tap the surface of your potential in Jesus Christ. And, and, and Paul is trying to get them to understand that getting saved, hear me well, is the starting point. It's not the destination. It's not the finish line. Salvation is the opening of the door. That's, that's what the Bible meant when it talks about you got to work out your soul salvation. So, so here's the deal. We don't work to get saved. We work because we are saved. Paul was trying to get them to understand you all have untapped potential. 
that God wants to use for the sake of bringing others into the body of Jesus Christ. And so, follow the flow. All of us now who confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we are grafted into the family of God in heaven and in earth. Then, Paul, in verse 16, takes it to a whole nother level. Paul now says, I am praying that God would grant you according to the riches of his what? Glory. To be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man or the inner being or the inner person. So, 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 so the first request that Paul places before God is for the converts at Ephesus to be strengthened or to be made strong. That to be made strong, that to be made tough, that to be given endurance. Okay? Got to be strengthened. Because when you engage in the work of kingdom building, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you are saved, you then need to be strengthened, you need to be toughened up, you, meet, you need to have endurance, you need to have tenacity, perseverance. So, he prays for them to be strengthened, watch this, with energy or might or power through the Holy Spirit to the inner person, to the inner person, to the inner person. All right? Now, this is very, very important because what we must understand is that the change that God really wants to make is on the inside. Because if God is able to make the change or the shift on the inside, it impacts everything we do on the outside. Have you ever noticed how there are people who can look so nice, dress so well, have everything together on the outside, but they can be mean, cruel and despicable on the inside. Paul is saying God wants to do a shift on the inside. He wants to change your inner being and he wants to do this through the spirit so that you will have endurance to demonstrate power. All right? So this strength and this power that Paul is praying for is to help us to be patient and to suffer long. And while we wait, we're called to have joy. I think that's what Isaiah meant when he said, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. He is also praying for the Spirit's power to be prevalent in our lives, to be strengthened with might in the Spirit to the inner man. The source of the strength and might in this text is nothing less than the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit is the Holy Spirit. You see Trinity all throughout this passage. And if we're going to do anything for the sake of the kingdom, guess what? You can't do it without the power, the provisions, and the assistance of the Holy Ghost. The purpose of the Holy Ghost is not to make you speak in tongues and things like that. The purpose of the Holy Ghost is to empower us to live for God through 
Jesus Christ. That's why, interestingly, it was during this week of passion nearly 2,000 years ago that Jesus is having a final discourse with his disciples. And that final discourse with the disciples take place particularly in John chapter 14 through chapter 17. And in chapter 14, 15, 16, 17, he is really giving insight into what the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit is all about. Now, this is not part of the lesson, but if I could, let me just uh, digress for a moment to really help you all to understand. Because Jesus tells the disciples, listen, I got to leave you. I, I got to go away, but I'm going to send a comforter. I'm going to send a paraclete. I'm going to send another form of me who is going to bring to your remembrance everything that I've taught you. And I cannot give you my Holy Spirit unless I leave. He is forecasting, foretelling his death. Watch this. So that the Spirit can come and not dwell around us and not dwell on us, but dwell in us. Remember, in the book of Acts, that Jesus tells the disciples before he makes his ascension. He says, you're going to get power. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you're going to be witnesses. Witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Beloved, we cannot do the work of, of kingdom building. We cannot do the work that God has called us to unless the Spirit is in us. As we continue to work through verse 16, strengthen with might through his spirit in the inner man, the inner being. The, the inner man, the inner person, the inner being, that's the spiritual part of our makeup. See, this outward part is our flesh. This body is our earthen vessel. This is our mortal uh, mortality. This is our earthly home. But when the spirit of humanity has been born again, uh, it is that spirit, the inner being, that was dead in sin that is now made alive by Christ through the Holy Spirit. And so as we talk about being strengthened inside, watch this, that the essence of our strength is not predicated upon our physicality, but the essence of our strength is based upon what God is doing with our inner being that makes us strong and give us stamina to deal with suffering that comes our way. May I dare say that in this moment of COVID-19, in this moment of this worldly pandemic, in this moment of great uncertainty in this moment of darkness. Our physicality really cannot sustain us. That what has given us strength, what has given us power, is knowing that we can fall back on the Holy Spirit to give us stamina, to give us strength, to give us substance, to give us sustenance, to endure 
even in moments of uncertainty and darkness. I would dare say that part of the Spirit's ministry at this moment is to remind us that we're not going through this ordeal by ourselves. That the essence of the Holy Spirit is God being present with each and every one of us to let us know that regardless of if you're suffering with COVID-19 or some other disease, regardless of if you are going through some particular trial, regardless of if you're facing a tribulation, regardless if you are dealing with trouble right now, regardless of whatever negativity you got to face, the purpose of the Spirit at this moment is to remind us we're not going through our ordeal by ourselves. And it is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that quickens us and reminds us that God is with us. Oh, my brother and sister, what a blessing it is for us to understand that we're not by ourselves. And that's the purpose of God moving as far as our lives is concerned. So Paul continues to move as far as this prayer is concerned as we make the shift to verse 17. That Christ may watch this dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. And watch this. Paul is praying that Jesus will dwell in our hearts. Christ is the dwelling force that empowers you and me to walk as conquerors as far as our reality is concerned. That word dwell is not a temporary position but it is permanent residence. That word dwell means to uh, unpack, to settle down, to anchor down, to be at home. Paul is not praying for Christ to enter the hearts and lives of believers as far as salvation is concerned. Christ is already in their hearts. What Paul is saying is, y'all need to allow Jesus to unpack, to settle down, and to be at home in your hearts. That's what Revelation meant when it said in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone will allow for me to come in to him or her and eat with him or her, I will come in and have a meal with them, and we will get to know each other on a better level. This has nothing now to do with conversion. It has everything to do with sanctification. It has everything to do with you and I being made conformed to the image of God through Jesus Christ. This is absolutely brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Watch this. So Jesus hangs out in our heart, watch this, by faith. We're not talking about a saving faith because they're already converted. They already know who Jesus Christ is and pardon of the sin. And let me, if I could, make this applicable to you. This type of faith is not talking about you getting saved. It's not talking about you coming to Jesus and confessing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've already done that. What this is talking about is a maturing faith. This is talking about sanctification. Now, let me reiterate, because unfortunately, a lot of folks misunderstand the aspect of sanctification. Sanctification is not a religion. Sanctification 
is a lifestyle. Another word for sanctification is maturity. Another word for sanctification is discipleship. Uh, Robert Scott's definition and understanding of sanctification is this. That if I'm being sanctified, I am not what I should be, but I am not what I used to be. There is development, there is maturing, there is growth that is taking place. That is what sanctification is all about. Watch this. The more we allow for God to be in our hearts, the more we're able to rise above shallow faith. We're able to go into deep waters. I I would dare say that unfortunately, too many disciples are hanging out on the beach. We're hanging out on the beach and soaking up the sun because we've been saved. And what God wants us to do is to go out into deep waters. There's a, 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 a story of Ezekiel being at the temple and Ezekiel is told to go out into the waters. He go out, it comes up to his ankle. Spirit prods him, prods him to go out further. It comes up to his knees. Spirit prods him to go out further. It comes up to his waist near his chest. Spirit prods him to go out further and it covers him. God is looking for us to go out into deep waters. Because it's in the deep waters where the fish are. Uh, It's in the deep waters where we're called to cast our nets. It's in the deep waters where we are so needed. Uh, Don't drown in shallow water. (laughs) We need to go out into deep water. So let's continue to follow the flow of the text. Because we now see where Paul says that you being rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. Um, um, As we go out into deep waters, as we anchor down, we show fruit. We're reminded in the word of God that the tree should be known by the fruit it bears. Jesus is looking for fruit. Look at that word rooted. The word rooted basically is an agricultural term. The word grounded is an architectural term. So watch this. So what is happening is that Paul is praying that the fruit of our discipleship bursts forth when we allow for the Holy Spirit to have its way in our lives and our faith is developed. So if a tree is known by the fruit it bears, then what you and I must understand is that what Jesus is looking for is fruit. You can't say that you are a disciple of Jesus and you're not producing fruit. We don't work to get saved. We work because we are saved. And so if I'm saved, And if I'm working, I ought to be producing some fruit. Okay? The authenticating evidence of my relationship with God through Jesus Christ, of my discipleship, 
is seen in the production of fruit. And the production of fruit, watch this, has as its seed love. Jesus reminds us, he says, I give to you a new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you, that you may love one another. By this, all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Am I making any sense? So as we move forward and as we grow in love and our hearts are being developed in faith, that spiritual growth helps us to become more familiar with the things of God. Verse 18, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that ye may be filled with the fullness of God. Now, this is in verse 18 where I really want to have some fun. This faith and this love helps us to gain insight, help us to become more familiar with the things that matter most. We become more and more familiar but never fully comprehend what God has done, what God is doing, what God will do. Why? Because it can't be measured. Now watch this. You and I, as human beings, deal or dwell in a 3D world. <laughs> Let me say that again. You and I, as human beings, dwell in a 3D world. What are you talking about, Pastor? It's real easy. You and I dwell in a world of height, length, and width. Okay? You and I dwell in a 3D world. Height, length, and width. That's 3D. But the love of Christ is 4D. Height, length, width, and watch this, depth. The love of God is 4D. If you remember in geometry, if you remember in geometry, we do geometry based upon a 3D aspect. If you take a rectangle, if you take a cube, if you take a circle, if you take a cone, if you take a cylinder, all of that stuff is measured by height, length, and width. But watch this. But depth is internal. Death or breath is something that is really beyond our capacity to fully understand and appreciate, especially in the spiritual realm. The shout for me is that what Paul is trying to get us to understand is how you and I 
even as we get to know God more and more, the more we learn about God, the more we come to the realization that we don't know about God. In other words, that God is so infinite, that God's love is so incredible. Just when you think you have God figured out, God throws a monkey wrench in your theology. There is nobody except Jesus who knows God fully. No theologian knows God fully. No Christian apologist knows God fully. No biblical scholar knows God fully. No missiologist knows God fully. Nobody knows God fully fully except Jesus Christ. The greatness of our salvation is connected to the width, the length, the depth, and the height of the love of Christ, which goes beyond knowledge that we may be filled with the fullness of God because God did for us what we could not do for ourselves. The more you understand about God and the greatness of God and the salvation that God has offered us, you ought to apply it to your daily walk. Your comprehension of God, the more you understand about God, ought to cause you and I to become more committed to God. The more we understand about God, if you don't get nothing else, please get this. The more you understand about God, the more you come to the knowledge of who God is, the more you understand about the essence of your salvation, the more you understand what God went through in Jesus Christ to save us from our sins, you and I are to become more committed to God through Jesus Christ. It is absolutely amazing. It is absolutely astounding the length that God went through to Bring us back in reconciliation and relationship with him. And when you get to know who God is through the person of Jesus Christ, it ought to cause you to become more committed. Maybe, and I might get in trouble for this, maybe some of us aren't as committed because we really don't know him. Just, just, just maybe, Yes, just maybe some of us aren't as committed because we don't really know him. We, we don't really understand him, but when you come to a greater understanding of who he is, watch this, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. The more you understand about God through Christ, it ought to cause you to become more committed to God and his cause. You and I, in and of ourselves, cannot fully grasp the love of God through Jesus Christ. <laughs> Ain't no way. <laughs> there, there's no way for our little finite mind to measure the amount of love that God has for us. But watch this. But if we obey, our obedience will empower the love of God 
to take over our lives. The more that we obey God, the more we experience the love that has the capacity to empower our lives. Let me get ready to wrap up um, because verse uh, 20 brings us great joy. But before we deal with verse 20, let me, if I could, touch upon verse 19, the fullness of God. The fullness of God. The fullness of God. What is the fullness of God? All throughout this passage, we've seen three things. We've seen God the Father. We've seen God the Son. We've seen God the Spirit. We see the triune God, Trinity, at flow and function in this passage. So the ultimate goal is for you and I to be filled with the fullness of God. When, when we were saved, we received the fullness of God. Each person of the Godhead has a different function in our lives. Now as a believer, we're to pray for the fullness of God himself. It is basically means for the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit to have his way in our lives. God the Father, God our parent, is the one that set the whole process in motion. God the Son is the one who brings the process into fruition. God the Holy Spirit is the one that takes the process and applies it to our lives. This is the triune God in full effect and full force in our lives. In verse 20 and 21, we now see the crescendo as if Paul is coming to the end of a prayer. It is as if Paul is coming to what is called in music, the denouement, the crescendo as far as his prayer is concerned. Um, uh, it, it, it is like in verse 20 and 21, Paul is taking a praise break. <laughs> To, 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 to acknowledge who God is and, and what God is, is doing. Um, uh, Paul knew that God had the power to give him his heart's desire. But, 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 but watch, watch what happens in verse 20 and 21. This is, this is what I would call the shout as far as this text is concerned. Paul closes this prayer with what we call a doxology. He praises God who is able to do far more than anyone could ask or imagine according to, watch this, the standard of power that is at work. Watch this, in us. In us. In us. No human being, no angel would ever think, watch this, that Jews and Gentiles could function together in one body known as the church, but with God's power of love in our lives, Paul is expressing major confidence that Gentile and Jewish believers can function as one and love one another. The expectation is that God is going to easily surpass our expectations. 
Beloved, this is not about us getting things. This is about us functioning as the ecclesia, the church of Jesus Christ. So what we have is we, 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 we're getting ready to have in verse 20 what I call uh, a cup running over. It's, it's a spillover. That word abundantly literally means an overflow. It, it, it's like you, it's, it's like you uh, pouring uh, coffee in a cup and the, 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 the cup cannot hold as much as the coffee pot. And as you pour that coffee from the pot into the cup and the cup is on a saucer, uh, that's a big pot but it's a small cup. And as you pour it and it gets full and then it starts spilling over. And it starts spilling over into the saucer. And depending upon the size of the coffee pot, the coffee pot can fill both the cup and the saucer. That's what God has the potential and the capacity to do in our lives is that God can cause our cup to overflow being filled beyond the brim as he continues to pour into our lives. That's what David meant when he said, you anoint my head with all my cup runs over. In other words, God is sending extra stuff our way. God goes beyond what you and I can ever imagine. I'm trying not to get too excited because when I think about all that God is doing, and watch this, even in this time like this, when we feel drained and tired, God is ready to pour into our cups and overflow so that we can bring him glory and honor. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we, watch this, ask or think. Watch this, ask. Articulate from our minds, think. Bring up in our cognitive consciousness. Since God is able to go beyond what we can ask or think, God can do what we hadn't even thought about. <laughs> this, this means even in the in our human extremities, it becomes God's opportunity to blow our minds. There are times when I have to admit, I don't even know what to ask God for, and God still takes care of it. I, I don't even know what to go to God for, but somehow, someway, God moves in my reality, God moves in your reality, and he answers according not to what we think we always want, but according to his will and according to what we need. Now to him who is able to do it singly, abundantly above all that we ask or think. But here's the mind-blowing thing. According to the power that works in, not God, but us. Us. There's a power inside of us. And this explosive power is working inside of us so that as we do what God will have for us to do, when it's all said and done, we cannot take the credit. Because in verse 21, Paul says, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. We exalt the Savior. Whatever we accomplish 
it's for the glory of God through Jesus Christ. Whatever we accomplish in the church is for the glory of God through Jesus Christ. And watch this. And it's going to be a signal to all generations forever and ever. Watch this. It, it is, it is, it is. It's like whatever we're doing right now, somebody in the future who we may never meet will be able to testify to what we have done because of God's explosive power that works in us. Watch this, in the church. Did you get that? Not the government, church. Not businesses, church. Not social organizations, church. Not service organizations, the church. I think Paul became so excited that, 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 that he had to shout and he had to give God an amen or two <laughs> because he wanted it to be his confirmation of what he knew God could do. One day you and I, we're going to be able to praise God for all that God has done in eternity. But we're going to be able to do it even in the here and now. And this wonderful aspect, again, is not about material possessions. It is about different people, Jews and Gentiles, who in and of themselves couldn't stand each other, coming together in one body in Jesus Christ to bring God glory through human reconciliation because we've been reconciled back to God. Wow. That's what this is all about. Isn't it amazing that at this time as I close, what God is able to do, do through the church. And he's doing it right now. Um, it's absolutely amazing. A a as we close, um, I, I want to extend to you this opportunity to do a couple of things. We're going to have closing prayer. But if you feel led to give, we give you that opportunity to give through Givelify. Um, you can go to Givelify or go to our website and uh, give an offering. And we, we give you that opportunity to, to do that. But what I want to do right now is pray for you. And um, as we make our way through this week of passion and move forward, toward Resurrection Sunday that even though uh, this may be the first time in Christian history that the church worldwide cannot in some shape, form, or fashion come together physically we're trying to do the best that we can with technology. Technology can never replace, never replace human presence and human touch. But because of this season of where we are and because we're trying to be safe as well as faithful because I don't see an issue between faith and science. I think they complement each other when you put them in a proper perspective.
The science is saying that because we are engaging in social distancing, that the curve is beginning to flatten and that, and that the numbers that were predicted a couple of weeks ago, as many as 250,000 lives being taken because of COVID-19 in, in America, that number has drastically come down, but it's because we've been practicing social distancing. But social distancing does not mean that the church is distant. And so this Resurrection Sunday, while we may not be able to gather together and we may not be able to hear our children do their Easter speeches, uh, Peyton had a wonderful Easter egg hunt planned for this weekend. We won't be able to do that. But one thing we will be able to do is we'll be able to gather collectively through technology, through live stream, through Facebook Live, through Vimeo. And we'll be able to celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. And I'm not going to wait until after we come back together as a church talking about we're going to celebrate resurrection. No, we celebrate resurrection this Sunday because Jesus Christ is alive. And because Jesus Christ is alive, those who die in the Lord, precious is the death of the saints who die in the Lord. For those who are suffering with this disease as well as with other ailments, God will give you the capacity to suffer. I'm going to preach this Sunday. I'm going to preach this Sunday a resurrection faith in a pandemic situation. And, and as I deal with that particular subject, there's something about the resurrection that when you know who Jesus Christ is and the pardon of your sin, because of the resurrection, you and I, we're able to do, do some things that folks who do not know Jesus Christ and the pardon of their sin just don't have the capacity to do. We do not sorrow as men without hope. We do not sorrow as women without hope. But we know that Jesus Christ has conquered sin, death, and the grave. Hallelujah. 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 Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, as we close out this time of study, we are blown away by what you have done in the process of salvation. You brought warring factions together. You brought people who had enmity and issues with one another together Jew and Gentile and you're continuing that reconciliation even now God as we come and as I lift up this prayer there are many who are just at a loss right now but God because we're making our way through Monday Thursday getting ready for what many call Good Friday. Got to deal with a silent Saturday. But we know Sunday's coming. God, we need your spirit. We need your spirit to remind us that we're not going through this ordeal by ourselves. I pray right now, God, that you will touch each and every person that's watching this video. Bless their families, bless their homes. Strengthen them to be lights in dark places. To be your word 
where there is no word to demonstrate faith in the midst of doubt God we need you like never before and we know you're not through with us yet we pray for those God that are losing loved ones to COVID-19 and other diseases and ailments give your comfort God for those that are suffering with sickness give them strength and healing and then God for every church that is open in your name for every religious entity that upholds you as Lord and Savior work through them show yourself mighty and strong as our Jewish brothers and sisters celebrate Passover we know that Passover is at work in our lives even now and so Lord just have your way we trust you God implicitly and we love you you are able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think in other words God you are past amazing <laughs> and it's to this past amazing God I pray and we say we love you like Paul forever and ever amen my brothers and sisters check us out live stream uh, share that live stream links with your family and friends and others and let's bring God glory and honor as we go through this week of passion celebrating the person of Jesus Christ God bless you all I love you all and I miss you all immensely